I'm going to do some review with that, but I want to hit that kind of from a different angle, all right? This truth, as we can get this down in our heart and change the way we think and view life, can radically change you and the people around you. Uh, It's a a tremendous truth. And, you know, I wish I had time to go through it all, but just trust me, get, get the tape. We went over that when God put mankind on planet Earth, he gave mankind authority, all right? Basic level, he says, I want you to increase, I want you to multiply, I want you to fill the earth, and I want you to subdue it, all right? I want you to rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, every creeping thing that creeps along the earth. He gave mankind dominion and authority, all right? You all agree with me on that? All right. And then from that point on, from the book of Genesis on, we see this progression, uh, unfolding revelation and, and progression of the, uh, the unfolding of this on planet Earth. Psalms 115, I think it's verse 16, says, The heavens belong to God, but the earth, everyone say, but the earth, but the earth he has assigned to the children of men. That would be us. The heavens belong to God, but the earth he has assigned to the children of men. That's speaking about authority again. He's, he's put mankind on the earth, and he's given mankind authority on the earth. All right? Now, the earth belongs to the Lord still. We don't own it. But he's put us as delegated authorities, mankind as his representatives on planet earth. All right? You following me? All right. Now, we know that, um, and I'm going to kind of get ahead of myself here, but then hopefully I'll remember to backtrack. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus, the, the Son of God and also the Son of Man, he's called both. Son of God refers to his divinity. John said in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word, verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was talking about Jesus Christ. God became flesh and dwelt among us in his son, Jesus Christ. That's the son of God. But he's also the son of man. That's speaking of his divinity. He, the word God became flesh. All right? That's the son of man. Now, we know that when Jesus, Luke chapter 4, uh, he had just been baptized. The Holy Spirit came upon him. Heaven came to earth. Right? Filled him. And the scripture says, it's interesting, the scripture says he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. He was there for 40 days, 40 nights, fasting, being tempted of the devil, overcame the devil by the scripture, saying it is written, speaking the word of God, teaching us how to overcome as well. Speak the word of God, speak the truth, speak the truth. And then it says, And after that period, he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. All right? And the scripture says that while he was there being tempted, one of the temptations that Satan, a fallen being that he had created, 
tempted him with, he says, he took him into a spiritual experience, and it says he took him up to the highest place, mountaintop, or uh, the, uh, yeah, the mountaintop, and he said, and it says he showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. Now, that's a, that can happen in a spiritual experience. And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and he made a statement. He says, if you'll bow down and worship me, he says, I'll give this all to you, for it has been given to me. Now, this is Satan, a created being that God himself created. And he makes a statement. After showing him all the governments, all the authority, all the rulerships, all the dominions, On planet Earth, he says, I'll give it all to you, for it's been given to me. Now, Jesus didn't say, hold on, that's a lie. (laughs) He did not do that. I thought the Earth was given, and the authority and the dominion on planet Earth was given to Adam. And here Satan is saying, it's been given to me. So if you'll bow down and worship me as the one with all this authority... I'll give it to you. The truth of the matter is, all the authority that was given to Adam, Adam forfeited it to Satan when Adam chose to believe a lie. And we call that sin, right? He, uh, Lucifer, Satan, took on the form of a serpent. You read the story in the book of Genesis and He deceived Eve. He lied to them, and they believed him. And and by the way, it had to do with God's character and nature, and God was trying to hide stuff from them, and and they sinned. And that's when the the authority on planet Earth was delegated, if you would, to Satan. It was given to him, not by God, mankind, who had the authority, gave it away. And that's why Satan could say thousands of years later to Jesus, all this I'll give to you for it's been given to me. All right? So the first Adam lost. Not only did he lose his close walk and fellowship with God, he lost authority on planet Earth. Jesus, Scripture says, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Authority was lost. He came to restore that authority to planet Earth. Therefore, when he was on planet Earth, he lived a sinless life. And by the way, Scripture calls him the second Adam. That's not a coincidence. There's a story there God's wanting us to get. He's saying the first Adam lost this authority. The first Adam sinned and, and, and forfeited his authority. The second Adam, Jesus Christ, was sinless and restored, came to restore and get back everything that was lost. All right? Say amen or oh me or something. That's a good part. The authority on planet Earth has been given back to a man. That's, and by the way, that answers the question, if you've ever had it, why did God have to become a man? 
Because authority on the earth was given to man. So God became a man, lived a sinless life, and took it back. He didn't need to bow down and worship Satan. That should have no other gods before me, right? He lived a sinless life in obedience to God and walked with God in submission to God, and he got the authority back. And that's why he could delegate his authority while he was on earth, and he did. We're going to look at some of that. Remember this 12 disciples? It says, I want you to go ahead of me in all the towns. I want you to tell people the government, the authority of Heaven, the authority of God, has come to earth. It is at hand. And I want you to demonstrate it. He says, I want you to heal the sick. I want you to cast demons out. And I, he says, I give you. He's talking to his 12 disciples. He says, I want you to go. Go ahead of me. And he says, I give you power and I give you authority to heal the sick. And to cast out demons. Now you can't give something you don't have. And by the way, you won't use something you don't have if you don't believe you have it. Right? And by the way, I'm not, I don't want to get sidetracked on this, but uh, I am going to mention it because it's a problem in a lot of our lives. We think that if we haven't fasted enough, we can't move in authority. Or we haven't prayed enough. Or we don't, we're not walking a sinless life enough. We haven't been obedient enough. There's, the enemy will always say there's not enough of something we haven't done to convince us. I want you to know he gave them authority. They didn't earn it, and you won't either. Authority is a gift. And they didn't have it all together. He gave this authority to these guys who were wanting to kill people. And they were racists. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's the kind of people that he gave authority to. Remember, he said, do you want us to call down fire and consume them? Because they're not receiving us. They had some issues. But that didn't keep Jesus from giving them power and authority, did it? So you qualify. Your authority you have. And by the way, authority... And I am getting sidetracked. I said, I didn't want to get sidetracked. <laughs> you read in Deuteronomy 28 in the Old Testament under a different covenant than you and I have. Authority was based on their obedience. Man, if they were obedient, God says, I'll subdue all the nation before you. But you get in disobedience, your enemy's going to come in and destroy you. And we take that and we think that applies to us. That's a different covenant. Through one man, sin entered the world, right? That was the first Adam. Romans 5.19 says, But through also through one man's obedience, it, let me reword that, it said, Through one man's disobedience, sin entered the world. And through one man's obedience, the second Adam, righteousness has entered. It's his obedience that you and I can walk in authority. I like that. I qualify <laughs> based upon his goodness and not mine. 
So Jesus could make the statement after he's delegated authority to his disciples when he was on earth. He demonstrated it. He preached the kingdom of God has come to earth. The king has come. Me, I'm the king. And he would cast out demons. He would heal the sick. It was a major part of his ministry, wasn't it? Because sickness and disease and all that stuff is a sign, is a symptom of another kingdom. Sickness is a symptom of the kingdom of darkness. Healing is a symptom of the kingdom of God. All right? It's real simple. So he preaches this kingdom, this government, this authority, and then he begins to demonstrate it by taking authority. He had authority. He exercised authority over the, uh, the weather. We heard about praying about weather. He exercised authority over molecules. I mean, he could turn water into like walking on a board and walk on, walk on water. He could walk through walls. How did he do all that? Because he was a man moving in authority that he had been given, right? Mankind has authority. He, he knew how to exercise it. We're going to talk some about that today. So he goes through that, and then he goes to the cross. And the scripture says, you know, if the powers and the rulers had known what they were doing, they wouldn't have crucified him. <laughs> they were dumb, dumb, dumb. Everyone say dumb. They were dumb. And I mean stupid. I don't mean they could talk. <laughs> if they'd have known what was going to happen at the cross, they would not have crucified him. He goes through the cross, and he defeats. He exercises ultimate authority over death as the first one to rise from the dead, the first fruits guaranteeing your resurrection and mine because he was the first fruits of those who rise from the dead. And he conquered. The scripture says through his death and resurrection, he made a public spectacle of Satan and his dominion. He put a rope around him, you know, and led him in through the city. The demons and all the defeated foe, he triumphed over them, Scripture says, through the cross. And and he was using the the picture that the people understood. When a king would conquer a nation, that's what they would do. They'd parade him through the city and see what I conquered. (laughs) And that's what Jesus did through the kingdom of darkness. He said, see what I conquered for you? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, church, followers of mine, therefore you go into all the world with my delegated authority and preach the same gospel. Tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. I want you to heal the sick, and I want you to cast out devils. Didn't he say, and these signs shall follow them that believe? They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. They shall cast out demons in my name. All right. So all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him, and he delegated that to you and I of the church. We're the governing authority on planet earth now. We need to wake up and realize that and start exercising it. All right? You with me? All right. Now that's a little review. (laughs) But that's what I want to launch off of again. In... 
Mark chapter 1. I'm going to read a, a, a scripture, starting with verse 23. It says, Suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit. Now, not that this is hugely important, but I just want to mention it. The word possessed, there isn't a word possessed in, in the New Testament for demon possession. That's an English word. It, in the Greek, it means demonized. All right? These people were, uh, this person was under, uh, under the influence of a demon. And there's different degrees of that. Just like there's different degrees people are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. All right? We're Holy Spiritualized. <laughs> We're under his influence. Just like a person can be under the influence of demons in different degrees as well. It depends on how much you yield to God or to those demonic, to that demonic realm. That affects the degree of your influence, uh, how much you're under their influence. I surrender all, right? We sing that. Suddenly a man in the synagogue who was demonized by an evil spirit, he began shouting, Why are you interfering with us? Jesus of Nazareth. Now, I like that. I just got a comment on that. I just like that. He, Jesus has a way of interfering <laughs> with things. And he's my model. I can follow that. It's all right. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm telling you, you have the freedom to interfere with the devil's kingdom. Just interfere with him all the time. He says, they're complaining. These, these demon spirits are complaining. Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Duh. <laughs> What's the answer to that? Yes. I have come to destroy you. The writer of 1 John, it's in 1 John 3, 8, says, For this purpose... The Son of God was manifested, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us for this purpose, to destroy. Everyone say destroy. To destroy the works of the devil. And that indeed, that's what you see him doing everywhere he went. Everywhere he went, that's what he was doing. He was destroying the kingdom of darkness. He was overcoming darkness by letting his light shine, right? He was overcoming hate by forgiving and loving. He was overcoming sickness and disease by healing. He was overcoming demonization, however it manifested, by casting demons out. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Acts 10.38 says, God anointed him, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. He was a man of authority, wasn't he? He came to destroy the works of the devil. And it's interesting, you know, another little rabbit trail here that we could spend a lot of time on. 
you know, in our modern day with science and, and medicine and all this, a lot of times, if we're not careful, it's, I think that's all great, and we can learn a lot from that and utilize it, and we should. God gave us a brain. It's not just to be a, uh, a hat rack. <laughs> we're to use it, right? But a lot of things we'll look at, uh, like in Luke 13, there's a woman who had a spine. We have a chiropractor here. A woman with a spine that was twisted. She had bent over. Some people might call it scoliosis, right? Or something else like that. What did Jesus say about it? Did he say, you have scoliosis? He says, you got a demon. And you've had a demon in you for 18 years that's twisted your spine. And he healed her. He set her free. He says, ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, be set free from Satan's bondage? Uh Uh-huh. Peter's mother-in-law has a fever. We might, in our modern day, we might say she has an infection in her body. Take some NyQuil. (laughs) What does Jesus do? He rebukes it. Person falls down on the ground, they're foaming at their mouth, their teeth are clutched, their, their body becomes rigid. We would look at that, analyze that, and say, that person has epilepsy. It would medicate them. What does Jesus do? He casts the demon out, and they're made well. Modern day, we would look at someone... And uh, they go to the eye doctor, they don't, they're blind, they can't see. And we, we might say they have this, or they have glaucoma, or they had this, or this, or this. And Jesus looks at, and I'm not saying all blindness is the same, by the way. Yeah, I'm just making a point here. You following me? And he casts a demon out, and they can see. It'd do the same thing with a deaf person. We might say, well, you know, they, they can't hear because of this and this reason or whatever. And he says, hey, they can't hear because they've got a demon that's preventing them from hearing, and he cast the demon out, and they could hear. Someone, a mute, who could not talk, he'd cast the demon out, and all of a sudden they could talk. I don't know what would label that today. What do you call someone medically who can't talk? <laughs> he called it a demon, didn't he? That's <laughs> right. Go downstairs, teacher. (laughs) He'd cast the demon out, and they could talk. All I'm saying is sometimes our perspective is not in line with his perspective. And if we want the results that he had, we need to start seeing things through his eyes and doing things his way. Amen? So he had authority. He said in Luke 10, 19, he sent, not the 12, he sent 70 others out. And he, the same thing, basically, he told them. He says, now, now you 70, I want you to go. I want you to preach. Tell them the government, the authority of heaven is here. It's come to earth. Tell them the kingdom of God is here. And I also want you, I'm giving you authority. I give it to you. I want you to heal the sick. You have authority to heal all manner of sickness and disease. 
and to cast out all demons, even the hard ones. You have authority, all right? You have authority. You have, you have the right to do it. That's another way of saying it, right? I gave an illustration of that two weeks ago. How I was teaching in a Christian school and taught them, when you say in the name of Jesus, that's like saying, because Jesus said I could. <laughs> I'm asking for this, Father, because Jesus said I could. Devil, get out, because Jesus said I could tell you that. I command it. Be healed, because Jesus said I could heal you in his name. That's authority. Luke 10, 19, he says, when the 70 returned, they were excited. It says they were rejoicing. They said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. That's a fact, by the way. They demons submit to, to those who exercise authority. They did then, and they still do. The demons submit to us. They come under our authority when we speak to them in your name, Jesus. And he said, yeah. Mm -hmm. He says, hey, boys, I saw Satan, the head of that kingdom. I saw him fall like lightning from heaven. He's off his throne. (laughs) I have kicked his butt. (laughs) I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He says, I have given you authority. I'm going to say authority. Over all the power. Say power. There's a difference. Power is ability. All right? We're talking about miracles this morning, right? That's power. But you want to, he asked the question, how many of you want to see miracles, right? Did you know it's your responsibility to work miracles? It's a gift of the Spirit to, it's called a working of power. Did you get that? (laughs) We want to see miracles, we need to work them. All right. Where was I? (laughs) He said, Luke 10, 19, he says, I give you authority. Now, that's exousia in the Greek, and that's the right. That's the, the right to exercise the power, the the ability, the energy, the force. The dunamis is the word there. That's where we get our word dynamite. I give you the right to light the fuse and explode the dynamite, to release the power, the energy. I'm authorizing you, and I'm giving you the authority over all the power of the enemy. You shall tread on serpents and scorpions. Now, he's not talking about little bugs. What's he talking about? Yeah, those, the demonic realm, that which causes poison, that which poisons you, that which bites you and hurts you and causes harm. He says, I give you authority to trample on all that. Backed, right? Now, that was his response to the demons submit to us. Yes, they do. I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you'll trample on serpents and scorpions. And he says, however, 
Don't just rejoice that the demons submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written down in the book of life. I like to look at that, and I see, when I read that, I see, again, this, he's say, what is he saying? He's saying, you have this authority because you're mine. You're part of the family of God. You have inherited this authority. You didn't earn it. I gave this to you. It's a gift. Rejoice that you're in the family. Your names are written down. That's why you have authority. Rejoice in that. Now go cast some more demons out. Get busy. So, what am I here to say? I'm saying a lot here. I want to tell you, you've been deputized. You have been deputized. Now, what do we mean by that? When, we, when a deputy is sworn in to be on the sheriff's office, he goes through, a, we have a ceremony, and what, what, is he, what happens in all that? He's officially being given authority. Right? He's being deputized. He's being given authority. Authority to do what? Whatever he wants? No. His authority lies within the law. That's why we call them law enforcement officers. I want you to know you are also law enforcement officers in God's kingdom. You don't take this authority and use it however you want. If I envy you or I want your wife or I want your car or I want your house, I can't take my authority and get that because that's not the law. I only have authority and I can only exercise authority for what's written in the book. Just like that officer can only... Uh, exercise his authority for the law book against lawbreakers, right? And that's why you need to know the book. That's why you and, need, you and I need to know what's given to us. And we're not under the Old Testament law. I'm not saying that. Don't misunderstand me. But we're, we're not free from law. We're under New Testament law, which is the law of Christ, which is the law of love. And against that, there is no law. That's the way Paul worded it in Galatians. You can exercise your authority to love people. I want you to know, you have been deputized to love people. And if they're sick, the most loving thing to do is set them free from that. You have the right to do that. You don't have to ask God. You don't have to beg God. You have to take your authority and do it. Whenever we start finding ourselves in the position where we're begging God to heal someone, to set someone free, to provide finances, to send revival, we think we want something more than he wants it. And we're trying to convince him. If he's not crying to cry enough over it, maybe I'll cry enough and that'll convince him. He gives us authority, and he expects us to use it. Amen? You are authorized. You have the freedom. I'm telling you today, I'm here to tell you, you're authorized to love people. You're commanded to. It's 
When we talk authority, it's not only a privilege, it's a responsibility. He told us, a new command I give you, new covenant people, in the new kingdom (laughs) that's come to earth. He says, I'm authorizing you to love people like I loved you. You and I have authority to do that. All right? You believe that? It says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, it says, follow after love. That's your command, right? Follow after love. You know, sometimes you can be going through life, and we, we heard about burning bushes this morning. This can tie in here, just another way of looking at that. I like to call it God. As children of God, sometimes God will begin to pluck on the strings of your heart. Something will begin to resonate on there, and that's called love. And all of a sudden, you'll feel compassion. Didn't Jesus feel compassion and heal the sick? He felt compassion and he taught. He felt compassion and he fed. In other words, he felt compassion. He exercised authority to set people free, to meet needs, to love people to life, right? And that's the way we're to live. Follow the love. When God begins to yank on the chain of your heart, call someone. Write this email. Encourage them. Send them a text. Go pray for this person. Go heal this person. Go speak life over this person. And we follow that. Follow after love. And as we do that, we do the second part of that scripture. He says, follow after love and do something else. As you're following after love, he says, and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. There's the power. (laughs) So follow after love. Follow as you're moving in love, you begin to desire, and that's, you've, I've taught on this a lot. It's in the book I wrote. I talk a lot about it. That means start craving, craving, crave, say craving, please. That means earnestly desire. That means passionately want something, intensely want something, crave it. If you've been an alcoholic, crave it like you craved your next drink. Crave the presence, the power, the the manifesting of God in your life and through your life. Why? Because you want to love well. So you follow after love, and as you do that, you begin to desire and crave the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You begin to, oh God, working of miracles. Let's work a miracle. They need a miracle in their life. Love them to life. God, they're suffering. They've been injured. They've been sick. I crave the gifts of healings. And you begin to crave the manifestation of God because for this purpose, remember, he was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. All the gifts of the Spirit, manifestations of the Spirit, that's what they do. They destroy the works of darkness. And they manifest the works of God. They're manifestations of God, of the Spirit. All right? So, as we follow after love, that's our foundation, we begin to desire and crave the exercise of God's authority, whether that be through gifts of healing, working in miracles, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, 
tongues, interpretation of tongues. We desire him to manifest in our midst, right? And the manifestation, verse Corinthians 12, 7, the manifestation of the Spirit has been given to all for the benefit of all. You say, well, I, you know, I'm uncomfortable with praying for people, or I'm, I'm, I'm uncomfortable in sharing with them my testimony, or I'm uncomfortable with sharing the gospel. Well, sorry. <laughs> Is that an excuse? No. He'll help us. You know, it's, a lot of times we're waiting around for God to uh, speak to us or to give us permission to go pray for someone, give us permission to minister healing to them. He's already given us that permission. Didn't he say, go into all the world? What are you waiting for? Well, i got to wait for a word from God. You got it. I just told you. It's in writing even. You don't even have to write your prophecy down. <laughs> It's written down. Go into all the world. Well, I don't know if I'm supposed to go to the Philippines. Is that the world? Go. (laughs) You don't need a word from God. Now, you might be going to the Philippines or like Paul to Asia and and the Holy Spirit say, no, not right now. Well, I thought you told me to go. I did. But right now, I want you to go to another part of the world. And we can trust the Holy Spirit to direct us that way. You see, the difference, though, is a lot of times we'll just sit here in our prayer closet waiting on God, and he's waiting on us. We're waiting on God, and he's waiting on us. He says, go. So as we go, he can begin to turn us and channel us in the right direction of where we need to be. But the point is we're going in obedience and faith to begin with, right? So much easier to to turn a moving car than one that's just sitting there stuck in the snow bank. Get moving. We're calling on God for revival. You know, we all want revival, right? Maybe we are revival. Maybe we need to go and heal the sick and cast out devils and people start getting saved and sanctified and Filling the church on Sundays. and Why? Because we are carriers of revival. You know, I'm sidetracked. I'm going to get myself in trouble here. <laughs> but we ask God to rend the heavens and come down. And he's like, I already have. That was the Old Testament, Old Covenant before the coming of Jesus Christ. Folks, the kingdom has come. We're not waiting for God's kingdom to come. We're not waiting for him to come. He has come. He has given us power. He has given us authority. And now we need to go. I believe in prayer. I'm a believer in prayer. But I also know sometimes we're locking ourselves in the prayer closet when we should be out preaching. I see when I look through the book of Acts and stuff where revival, what we would call revival, broke out. It wasn't because they were interceding in their prayer closet. It was because they were out preaching the gospel, casting out devils and healing the sick. And there was a move of God. Why? Because they were moving. You want a move of God? Move. You say, I've never seen the sick healed. Have you ever ministered to the sick? 
I mean, commanded them to be healed? I want to see blind eyes open. Have you ever prayed for someone with blind eyes? You want to see it? Get moving. If you want to see God move in miracles, you move in miracles. Work the miracles. He didn't say to his church, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Pray and ask me to heal the sick. He says, go and heal the sick. I've given you my name. I've given you my authority. And these signs will follow you. They shall lay hands on the sick. He didn't say, I'm going to mysteriously heal him. You, when you move your hand and put it on a body and exercise authority, the sick will be healed. No hand placing, no healing. You got it? <laughs> all right. <laughs> you all love me, right? All right. I might be making some of you mad, but that's okay. Sometimes the truth hurts. I can do this because I've, I've done all the wrong stuff so many times. I've learned a little bit. <laughs> what are these? Now, I used this illustration two weeks ago, but I had to do it again to remind you. What do we use these for? Transfer power. There you go. Did Jesus say, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? Where's the power? Oh, God, send the power. I already have. Where is it? Come on, tell me. It's in you. Didn't he just say, you shall receive power? He says, you shall be clothed with power. The Greek word there is endued. Some translations say it clothed. We are endued to undo. All right? We are endued to undo. I need Keetrick up here. <laughs> I'll pick on you. Last time I picked on Ken. But he's not here. All right. Now, I should have someone else come up and play the devil. <laughs> you want me to pick somebody? <laughs> so right now I'm the devil. And I'm binding him. It's like the woman in Luke 13. Not, not this person, a child of Abraham, be set free from what Satan has bound them all these 18 years. There's people like this in this room right now. We can't see it because it's invisible rope. It's bondage to darkness, to evil, whether that be sickness, disease, injury, addiction, Whatever level of influence we are under the demonic realm, demonized, the influence of darkness, people are bound. They're bound at the post office. They're bound in the grocery store. They're bound on the street corner. They're bound in the coffee shop. They're bound in our, our, your neighbor's house. They're all around. Different degrees, right? And we can go to our prayer closet. Or we can have our prayer meetings in church, and we say, oh, God, set them free. 
Oh God, heal Ketrick. Oh God, set him free. And you know what? Ketrick's going, he's still bound. Because we're asking God to do something he's told us to do. Did you hear what I just said? Do you realize there's nowhere? If you can find it, tell me. But I've studied this out. I don't believe there is nowhere in the New Covenant, New Testament, where you and I as believers are told to ask God to do anything about the devil. But I can find James 4, 7, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. We're told to do something about the devil. Peter talked about resisting the devil. James talked about resisting the devil. Paul talked about resisting the devil. Jesus talked about resisting the devil. Taking authority and exercising authority over the devil. He told us we can resist it because he's given us the right to do so. The authority to do so. So we can beg and plead for God to do things. It's like my kids, after I tell them, go clean your room. I'm not going to go clean it for them. It's like, oh, Dad, please clean my room. No, I told you to. You're going to clean your room. (laughs) And he told us, heal the sick. He told us, cast out demons. He told us, preach the gospel. And I'll work with you. Confirming the word with signs that follow. You want to see a move of God? Maybe you're the key. Maybe you need to move. Maybe you need to move in his authority and say, in the name of Jesus, be free. (laughs) Thank you. You need to exercise authority. We call it laying out of hands. We're connected to a power source. It's called God, who has come to earth, put his power inside us, And now we need to make connections with people. Friendships. We need to be friends of sinners. We need to connect with people. (laughs) Here, I'll do it to myself. (laughs) We need to transfer the power through connection. And there's different ways we connect. Uh, one of the main ways, you'll see it through, clear through the Bible, is through the laying on of hands. You know? We turn that in, into just a nonchalant thing. But when you release faith and lay hands on there, that's a point of contact. When you touch their body, it's not, oh, Teresa, God bless you. May I pray for you? No, it's not that. It's when I touch her, I'm expecting a transfer to happen. What's inside of me is going to go into you. Get ready. That's faith. That's laying on of hands. Transmitting the power of God. How do we do that? Through authority. You exercise authority. How is authority exercised? Through faith. You believe you have it. It's released through speaking words. I told you last week, we did a little exercise. I, I, I know... Believe me, I know. We're so used to doing it the churchy way. I told you when we broke into groups to minister to one another. 
I told you I don't want to hear you asking God to heal them. I don't want to hear you begging God. Command them to be healed. Command their body. Be specific. Command that knee to be healed. Command that pain to leave. That's the way Jesus did it. That's the way the early church did it. They spoke to a deformed hand. Stretch forth thy hand. They didn't say, oh God, please touch his ligament. <laughs> please touch. Please heal him, Lord. Oh God, please heal him. Please, 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 please. He already has. Did it at the cross. He, he paid the price. He purchased it. He regained it back. What did he tell us to do? Lay hands on the sick and heal them. We don't like that because that puts some responsibility on us. But it's the fact. And if we want the results, we need to do it his way. He said, stretch forth thy hand. What did he say to the blind eyes? We're not commanding God. We're partnering with God. He's working with us, confirming the word. We're his voice. We're his hands, right? We're the body of Christ. What did he do to blind eyes? He spoke to them. See, deaf ears, open. Tongues, be loosed. Cripples, rise up and walk. He issued commands of authority. And that's what you should be doing when you minister to the sick. Ouch. I gave the example, and again, I don't care what you think of this guy. It's irrelevant, but the results are proof in the pudding. Oral Roberts had a tremendous healing ministry. I used to watch hours and hours and hours a lot of these healing guys from the 50s because, man, they moved in power. (laughs) I mean, they'd reach up with their hand, grab a goiter off, and rip it off of someone's face, and a miracle would happen. I watched hours and hours of footage. Oral Roberts was one of those guys who knew his authority. And he made the comment, and I don't agree with it totally, but I do mostly. He says, I've never prayed more than 15 seconds for a sick person. Is he new authority? It doesn't take long to say go. <laughs> it doesn't take long to say be healed. He understood how to minister to the sick. And it wasn't through begging and pleading with God. Because God wants it more than we do. It's partnering with him and exercising that authority. Amen? Jack Coe was another man. Moved in tremendous faith in the 50s. He was asked one time, Jack, do you fast for, your, for, for God's power? He said, Fast? I eat and believe God. I like that. He, he got it. You're not going to earn power. You're not going to obtain power by anything you do. I don't care how spiritual it is. It's a gift. Eat and go exercise it. <laughs> Ouch. Amen or oh me on that one, right? Hey, I've been there, done that. But it's so freeing to know it's not me. 
It's him through me. All right? So we, we, we transmit God's power. We set the captives free uh, through that. Remember this one, those of you who were here? It's a pipe. It's got a valve on it called a ball valve. If I stick pressure, that's called PSI, water pressure, let's say, um, is running from a well, out of the well, it's going through a pump. And there's a lot of pressure in there, and this valve is shut like that. All that pressure, we could call it power, is contained in here, just waiting to be released. And the more power, when you open this valve, man, poof, it's going to move some things. You and I are containers of the power of God. And when we exercise our authority through our faith, we're opening that valve and we're getting what's on this side or inside of this container. We're releasing it to where we want it to go. That's exercising power. Amen? You're a spiritual valve. You're a spiritual jumper cable. What is this? It's a light switch. I'll answer my own questions. <laughs> Trying to move along here quickly. If you understand electricity, you've got a power source. You've got wires running connected to the back of this. We don't think about it often, but what happens? We, we call this a switch. We flip that switch on, and all of a sudden, the darkness leaves. And we can say the same thing. When we exercise our faith and our authority, spiritual darkness will leave, whether it's in the form of sickness, disease, sin, demonic oppression. We need to learn how to flip the switch. It's called, we need to learn how to release our faith. Connect. See, when I flip this, something's happening back here, isn't it? It's joining these wires so the power can flow where we want it to flow. We need to learn to exercise our faith. That's the way the gifts of the Spirit operate. You realize I can prophesy over any one of you in here right now? And so can you. When we learn to partner with God and exercise our faith. Now, does that mean that I can't go to the restaurant and, I, and that I have a word for everyone in the restaurant? No. I could if I would believe for it and exercise my faith. And we need to learn to keep the switch of faith turned on more often, right? Sometimes we, uh, we turn it off and we go about our life. And I'm not saying that's wrong all the time, but uh, we do need to learn to keep it on more often as we go about life. And exercising the anointing and the gifts that God has given us as his followers. Amen? Yeah. All right. So you have been deputized to love. You have been deputized and authorized to manifest God's presence as well. Join those two. Follow after love and eagerly desire Spiritual gifts, manifestations of God. You have been authorized. I'm telling you, I'm announcing to you today, you have the right to release God's presence as you love people. Say, I'll take that. that. (laughs) Amen. You say, sometimes I don't know what to do. You know, this is the truth. I, I wish I had time to develop it, but I need to wrap this up. Is start in the natural. 
You say, well, I don't have anything from God. I don't have a word from God. I can't prophesy to them. Well, tell them their hair looks nice then. (laughs) You say, well, that ain't very spiritual. You'd be surprised. (laughs) Sometimes you have to start in the natural. It's never wrong to love people. It's never wrong to be an encouraging person. My, that's a pretty shirt you have on today. And as you're doing that, you've started in the natural, right? You're following love and you're desiring the operation, the manifestation of God. And you begin to say, now what, God? And then he gives you a word of knowledge. Or you begin to say, hi, my name's David. What's your name? You take that first step of stepping out of your comfort zone, especially if you're shy or, you know, not, not an extrovert and you're an introvert. It's harder for you. That's me. I'm more of an introvert. So I know what I'm talking about. It's hard. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to introduce yourself. You've got to step out and say, hi, How, how's your day going? Or, oh, I can see you're in pain. What happened? You're just stepping out in the natural. You've got nothing from God yet, except you know you're supposed to love that person. And as you step out in love, it's kind of like the prophetic. I use this illustration a lot. You pull out this first uh, tissue here. You give what God's given you, and if he hasn't given you anything, you start in the natural. Why, your hair looks nice. And as I pulled that out, another one popped up. And that's the way the prophetic flow often is. And that's the way moving in the supernatural often is. You step out with what you have. You say, well, I ain't got nothing. Yes, you do. Tell them their hair looks nice. (laughs) You're not going to leave here. That's one thing I learned. I can tell people their hair looks nice. So you pull that out, and another one pops up. And that's the way the flow is. Out of your belly begins to flow rivers of living water. And you just begin to let the river flow. (laughs) What have you done? You've opened the valve. You've made a connection with someone. And you've given God opportunity to flow, to work miracles, to save the lost. You've opened up the floodgates of heaven. Heaven has come to earth. Amen? Amen. (laughs) All right. We're going to do an exercise here. So I, uh, a few weeks ago, I can't remember how long ago, I gave you a little tool. And I, that's all it is was a tool. I have different tools in my tool belt sometimes I'll use. I don't always use that tool. But sometimes having the right tool makes the job a little easier, especially if you're, you don't know how to do something. You don't know where to begin. Tools are helpful for that, right? I can screw in a screw with a, a, drill, a cordless drill bit. It works pretty good. If I don't have one of those, I can take a screwdriver Takes a little more work, but I'll get it job done. If I don't have a screwdriver, I might take a pair of pliers, you know, and a rock, hit that in there, grab that thing, and twist it around. I'm going to get the screw in, but it may take me longer to do. It depends on the tool. Well, I've learned some tools through the years. Is it the only way to do it? No. It's a tool. But if you need a tool, listen up. Here's a tool to heal the sick, all right? Number one, and I learned this years ago in the 80s through John Wimber, who had a wonderful healing ministry. He's dead now, gone on to glory. 
And I don't think he originated. I think he learned it from some of it. Number one, and I'll call it different things because I like my teaching better than his. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I use different words because I relate better to it. But number one step is in healing, a model for healing the sick is interview them. You see, and I like, and I'm going to go super fast. I taught on this a few weeks ago. Interview them. When you talk to them, how you doing? Oh, what happened? How long have you had this? Oh, and as you're interviewing them, you're engaging with them. You're also engaging with God. It's all that's life, by the way. That's the way I live. Talking here, talking here. It's always going on. Right? I begin in the natural. He puts his super on it. I begin in the natural. He puts his super on it. Pretty soon we're flowing in the supernatural, right? What's going on? Oh, I'm sorry you have that. Your mama had that problem too. And your mama's mama had that problem. And you're learning. God, why is this running in their family? And God might say, because there's a demon and you're listening to God, all right? So you go through the first step of this prayer model, and you interview the person and God. I, I call it interviewing God and the person. I'm asking God questions, and I'm asking them questions, all right? The second step is, after I've asked these questions, I'm, I've been listening to God. I've been listening to them. I've been loving them, showing them that I care, that I'm concerned. Then I have to choose. It's decision time. Now what are we going to do? God bless you. Bye. <laughs> I guess that's one choice, not a very good one. <laughs> what do we do? We have to decide what we're going to do with that information that God gave us and that person gave us. So the step two in the model is choose how to minister. Based upon that interview time, I may choose, I'm going to command this demon of, of cancer to leave them. Or I'm going to, I don't, I, I didn't feel like God showed me it was a demon. Or obviously, you know, they fell down and broke their leg on the ski slope. I don't think that's a demon, but the bones broke. So what do you want me to do? Command their bone to heal. Speak to the bone. Jesus spoke to trees. He spoke to water. He spoke to wind. He spoke to demons. He spoke to sickness. He spoke to fever. He spoke to arms. He spoke. What are you going to do, Dave? I should speak to that bone and command it to do what it was originally made to do. Be whole and support their weight. So that's where you choose how you're going to minister. Or God might say, do it this way. Don't command anything. Just declare them healed. I've had times like that where I just looked at the person and I say, Jesus Christ heals you. And he did. It comes through releasing authority, but that authority was released through a declaration instead of a command. So there's different ways to do it, but that's why you need to listen to God. Step three, I'm going really quick, is when you minister, minister for specific results. This is so important. When you pray for someone, go after specific results measurable results. You got to be able to look. That's why I tell people, keep your eyes open when you minister to people. You want to see a miracle? You're not going to see it with your eyes closed. Keep them open. If you're commanding their eyes to see, don't you want to see their eyes go and see? 
Speak to the eye. Speak to the problem. Expect. Step three was expect specific results. All right? Sometimes I'll ask him, on a scale of 1 to 10, where's your pain level? 10 being the most extreme, 1 being the less. Oh, I'm at an 8 right now. Well, when you begin to minister to him, I might ask him, now what is it? Oh, it's, uh, it's better, but it's, I still can't bend over. It's still a 5, I'd say. Maybe 8 to a 5. Well, what do we do at that point? Go home. That's a choice, I guess. Not always wrong choice. But most of the time, I would say, do it again. Take it from a five to a zero. You say, well, that's a lack of faith. Well, why did Jesus do it then? Didn't he have faith? Didn't he have a blind person that he took out? And he laid hands on their blind eyes, and he asked them, can you see? And what did they say? Yeah, I see people... I don't see him very good. It's fuzzy. I can see better than I, I did. What did he do? He laid hands on him again. So I'm authorizing you, it's okay, to lay hands on him twice. And if twice don't do it, do it three times, four times, five times. Well, you run out of time. Well, maybe that's where sometimes... You do run out of time, or the situation's not right, where you haven't got the entire breakthrough you want. What do you do then? Well, let's do step four before that. That's step five. Step four, you're assessing the results. You went after specific results. Step four, you're assessing where are we at. We're, we went from a 10 to a 4. Step five, maybe it's time. What do we do now? Well, obviously, if they're... Healed 100%, you're rejoicing, right? But if they're not, this is where you do post-ministry direction. You might say, don't give up. Come back again. Don't give up. God wants you well. You keep after it. Don't give up. You might say, read this scripture this week. I told you the example, I think, a couple weeks ago where I ministered to the woman with cancer. I told her, she came for prayer. I said, I'm not going to pray for you. I said, you take this scripture. I want you to meditate on it all week long, and then I'll pray for you. She did, and I did. And when we came together, I did a real simple thing. I command this tumor to die, and it did. She was cancer-free. Why did I do it that way? Because God told me to. You see, I've never done that before, or since then. The key is follow God, right? Follow God. But if you don't, maybe you don't get the results, that's where you say, you say things like that. You know, I want to encourage you to come back for prayer again. Come back again. We're having this healing meeting this night, and the gifts of healing usually are functioning at a high level. I encourage you to come there. If this person really moves in this gift of faith, come to this meeting. You, you give post-direction. Or they do get healed. What do you say? Well, you might say, you know, when you leave this building, the devil doesn't want you free. And he may, you may start feeling pain again when you step out of this building and turn your, and walk away. You have a choice at that point. You begin to give them a little teaching. You can accept that and say, oh, I thought I was healed. Or you can say, no, devil, I was healed. 
when hands were laid on me, and you begin to teach them how to exercise their own authority. You, You may have got them healed through your authority. Now teach them how to keep it. And you tell them, I refuse. I will not receive this back in my body. In Jesus' name, go. That may be your teaching, your post-ministry directive to them. Resist the devil. If he comes back, if he tries to get back in, resist him. Right? All right. You guys are so patient. Why don't you just tell me to shut up and sit down? No, don't do that. Please don't do that. I am going to wrap this up. Have you learned something? All right. So I like to do little exercises. It's just me. It's what I do. So we're going to break into two groups right here. We're not going to take take as long as you want, actually. If you need to go, I want you to feel free to go, too. But I am a firm believer in when you hear a truth like this, especially something like this, where it's telling you to do something, exercise authority, if you'll step out and do it, you'll own it. Other than going home and said, that was one that a nice teaching. And the next week you come back and I don't even know what he talked about. I forgot. Because you never owned it. You didn't apply it. I'm giving you an opportunity to own it and apply it. Put it into action right away. Right away. Then it becomes part of you, right? Instead of just theory. Instead of just a teaching. Exercise it. We've seen some tremendous things happen in times like we're just getting ready to do. This is where it happens. This is where the action takes place. So what I want you to do is uh, you're free to flee if you like. The doors have been unlocked. (laughs) You are welcome to do that. But I want to encourage you. um, Let's get a few more people over here. We're just going to divide the church. How's that? Church split. I split the church. So a few of you will move over here. Um, Keetra can be in charge of this group, and uh, Carol can be in charge of this group. How's that sound? You know, we got enough groups. Let's, let's do three groups. And Kim, you're in charge of the third group. You got time for that? You got to go. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Teresa will be in charge of the third group. So get in three groups, five people, whatever. You don't have to be specific. And here's what I want you to do. Just real simple. I want you to ask. I want you to love them to life. Maybe walk through the prayer model. Bless you guys. See ya. Um, Walk them through the prayer model. If you don't remember it, just do as best you can. Introduce yourself. Ask them if they have a problem in their body, pain, sickness, uh, and then begin to minister to that. And I just want to encourage you again. Apply the teaching. Speak to the problem. Don't speak to God about the problem. Speak to your problem about God. (laughs) Okay? Amen. Let's go to it.